Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts. I'm Kyle. I'm Nina. Today we're going to be talking about replies. And the previous episode, we talked about vetoes. Since it's one of the most crucial and unique things about the Asian's parliamentary format, we decided that this episode will be about replies, which is another unique feature of the Asian parliamentary format. It's probably one of my favorite things to do in debating as a whole. When it's Asian season, I will fight anyone to be reply. I, I was always just like ambivalent about replying, although for a, quite a substantial chunk of our careers, I was replying. The first four years, I was a reply speaker. Hmm. Yeah. And the very first time that we, we teamed up, up together yeah. in 2014, was it? 2015. Or 2015, 2015. CSBIV, I decided oh, to five years with Kyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then ever since, I'm like, nah, I'll just, I'll just wait for you. I'll yeah. just wait. Yeah, I, I became a reply speaker because I feel it was the closest to my roots as a judge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was judging for like the first two years, then I transitioned to debate, and reply just felt like home. Yeah, which leads us to what conceptually is reply. Now, you said, Nina, that the reason why you liked replying so much is because it was the closest to your roots as a judge. A judge. So, yes. So, what, how does it relate? So, I, I think it's very common to hear a lot of AGCOR members and a lot of coaches and a lot of manuals call reply a bias adjudication. So, yeah. that just means that you act as if you are part of the panel in a way, trying to persuade the judges as to why you think a particular team won. Of course, your team. Do not be biased against your team. team. Yeah. Like, as government reply, I'm going to prove my opposition wins. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just doing Asians really wrong. But, but basically, it's a biased adjudication because similar to adjudication, you cannot step in and you cannot add new things. You cannot make so you new arguments. You can step in. Yeah. You can't make new arguments or rebuttals or new matter. Um, you're just there to sort of look at the debate retrospectively and then tell the judges why the contents of the round are in your favor as a team. Yeah, but since you're acting as a biased adjudicator, does that mean that you have to completely adopt the language of an adjudicator? You can't put a little flair here, you can't put like sarcasm. Because earlier you said, like, as government reply, I'm going to prove why opposition wins. Like, I can see myself doing that, but in a sarcastic way. Mm, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to adopt the language, but it, but it certainly does help, especially since you are trying to talk to judges, sometimes using their own language helps. But flair is really fun. Like, I do a lot of flair. I reply. just have a lot of chaotic yeah. energy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think it's a it's a bad thing if you have flair. There's so many styles of doing the reply. There's actually no fixed format. And that's why it's one of the hardest things to teach as well. We have very different reply styles. Like our, I have none. I have zero. Our, our reply styles will not agree with each other. Like, they, they are in constant conflict. Yeah, but, but speaking of like the value of reply, you said it was bias adjudication. But why do we even have that speech in Asians? Like, what's its value? Well, I think what's unique about it is uh, at certain times, given if a round is really close, um, and this is a question like a lot of AGCOR members give during AG exams, a reply speech can make or break a team. You can have everyone else tied except reply speeches. And I've seen brilliant debates where it's all boiled down to the last four minutes of the, the teams. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one importance. The second is also to just clarify what took place in the debate, especially since it's a quick exchange. You want to emphasize to the judge what aspects to look at, what aspects do you think were underutilized. It's very different from BP. Because in BP, I feel there's no need for reply because format's already too long. But second, I think BP trains more the ability of judges to 
look at unique angles of each team. And it's the burden of each team to sort of have a mini-reply as they go. So closing has to mini-reply why their team is more important than opening. So, like, the reply aspect is deeply ingrained in PP already. Unlike in Asians where, and, and you're the one who told me this, like, it's really just pambabraso of, of ideas. Yeah, so... Like, I don't know the English. How do you English that? I know, but in my head, it's more of, like, it's it's a, it's an opportunity for debaters to finally, like, drive their own particular agenda. This is the real debate. Like, this is... These are the crucial parts of the debate. They miss, or you want, etc. Yeah. Because in BP, like, you you always have to have meta. But in Asians, you can survive an entire round not having any meta angle without, like, comparing strategy, like, just directly going arguments and rebuttals, right? So the, the reply gives you an opportunity and forces you to actually integrate those standards and aspects of the round. I have a, an edge question here. Ooh. So let's suppose, for example, that after hearing a prime minister's speech, you already have an idea of what score that you're going to give. For example, 77. And then when it came to the government reply, the person who did the reply started talking about how great the prime minister was. And then at that point, you're like, mm, yeah, maybe I should consider giving the prime minister a higher score. Does that work? Can the government reply speech influence how judges should score the rest of the round, like the other speakers? Uh, definitely. In a, but that's all up to judge standards. So I don't think there's a d- definite rule as to what the reply speech can and can't do in relation to their teammates' scores. But for me personally, if a reply speaker points out something that I might have missed from the PM, then I will have to bump up the score because that is a judge flaw on my part. And it just so happens that the reply was able to point it out. But for me, what commonly happens is the reply speech helps me deduct points from the opposing team. For example, I was very enamored by the extension of DLO, but government reply is able to point out that there was no responses in deputy. And it makes me reassess like, oh, maybe I was just very biased towards the extension and not judging the DLO fairly. Well, I, I don't, hopefully I don't make that mistake anymore. But for newer judges, the reply speech really helps. So ideally, like the goal of the reply speech is to make judges go like, oh, yeah, I do this. Yeah, I mean, if you're just reiterating purely what the round is, you're not doing a good job it's as not reply. Effect- it's, it's just a just, summary speech. Yeah. A reply speech is supposed to like give revelations to judges, help them decide things. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's delve into the like the technicalities now of uh, yeah. what it's supposed we to. We probably like. should have done that first. It's just like a quick recap. Um, we're, we're pretty sure a lot of you know how replies work. So there are four minutes. There are no POIs. No POIs. It's, it's all protected time. Yes. You can't stand stuff. You can, you can shame and hear here from the opposing team, but th- that's it. <laughs> yeah, th- there's also like no prescribed structure. And most manuals actually do say that there is no prescribed structure. Yeah. But invariably, debaters should all, especially reply speakers, because like, they're the ones doing the reply mm-hmm, speeches, mm-hmm. they should keep the aims of the reply speech in mind. So a lot of people, and I'm going to quoting Logan, who was like in Adjkor of Worlds a few years ago, he said that the aims of the reply speech are following. The first one is to summarize the debate as a whole, like what were the important issues, what are the important standards. We'll delve into that later. The second one is to establish or quickly summarize the important salient points of your position, your team. And then the last one is compare. That's basically it. But I think that there's a problem there because 
if that is the job of a reply speaker, what is the difference between a whip speaker and a reply speaker? I think that goes back to what we mentioned earlier. Like the difference with a whip is a whip has to give new analysis, new responses, new angles to look at a particular issue. But if you're a reply, you don't have that aspect. You don't have the ability to be creative in terms of like inserting new things. You can try, but a good judge will be able to spot that and like not credit you for those things. So in in reply, you just really have to look at the debate objectively in terms of content, but biased in terms of framing and angle to focus on. Yeah, and does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I read the Monash debate handbook before, it said that the aim of a good reply speech is it's not the same as whipping because in whipping you're trying to win an argument but if you're replying it's about stepping back explaining why you won the debate as a whole yeah so like they actually gave a lecture on youtube and they said it's not about proving your site is right it's about proving that your site won so there's a very subtle difference and i agree with this because just because you're right doesn't mean that you win the debate because of that and actually what i, what I appreciate from both logan and and the monash debate handbook was that for some reason, they both compared it to sports, something sports-related like a post-match interview or commentators discussing a particular game. And I think it reveals something about a reply, the nature of a reply. Since it's about sports, whatever, it's a game, right? So we should probably talk about the rules of the game. Mm. So I like to think of reply as the most meta speech that there could be, specifically because we're talking about the rules of the game at this point yeah. and not any particular substantive issue. So there are a few ways to approach replies and Nina made a list here. Yeah, because you have no list at all as to how to approach reply. But that that's just me. I'm a very type A person in the team. Of course, these are just my, my tips and the way I approach uh, reply speeches and how other people approach it based on my observation and the people I've been exposed to. So, like, this is not the definite and complete list of how to do that. I think the first is very standard, very copycat of, of a whip speech. It's issue-based. You look at the issues of the round. For example, if it's a feminist motion, you look at the issues of which side best helps women, which side helps protect them, which side best empowers them, which side changes society as a whole. But instead of actually comparing arguments and making rebuttals and proving why their side's wrong, you actually just look at directly how did both teams try to engage in this issue and why was our side more persuasive in doing so. So in the end, you will still end up using standards. It's just your main approach is to look at it through issues and not like directly using standards. So it's like a whip, but you jump straight to the comparisons instead of like going around and pointing out responses. All right. Would it be fair to say that the the focus of an issue-based style of approaching like a reply is you have the issues and then let's take a look at how each side made a strategy to try to answer or resolve the issue yeah. why our strategy was better. Yeah, this style is particularly effective if you know that your judge is somewhat new to debate. Because judges usually have a format in judge agents, and that's like issue-based. Like, what's the first issue? Why did government win this issue? Or why did opposition win this issue? So what you're doing is you are anticipating how the judge is going to adjudicate you and giving them a template that's easy to follow. You're sort of trying to feed them the answers already that they can just put into their judge template, right? Yeah. The second one is standard-based. And I feel like I'm more prone to this style because I don't like they copying my whips. Especially since if Kyle's my whip, like chances are 
Like, I'm gonna have a hard time delineating because <laughs> we think too similarly. <laughs> but yeah. that, that's just when it's with you. So what I do here is I usually look at standards immediately. Like, there are three reasons why the other team can't win. The first is because they fail in responsiveness or they fail in the cohesion of case. They were inconsistent. They had a lot of logical gaps or leaps. You know, like those those typical words that you hear judges use. I use them as well in my reply. Hmm. And I feel like this is where my talent as a judge comes out. Because I'm very used to using these terms and I know how to play around with them. You did some research on this, right? No, I didn't do like research on it. Actually, I did try to do some research you, on... you have why, some why, stuff written. I, I did try to do some research on why reply speeches are a thing. <laughs> in, in actual governments... Chambers of Parliament, do they have reply speeches? Yeah, like I, they have I closing remarks. I feel like that's the same. Oh, yeah. So basically, you know, you, that was the focus of my research. Oh. But I was trying to think of ways to talk about the standard. What kinds of phrases do you expect people to say mm. when it comes to this style? And I was like thinking, oh, a lot of people try to point out that a particular team changed stances a lot. So, and I want to go back to the idea that let's make it about sports. Like, let's let's have a sports analogy here. So, in, in a chess game, right? Because chess is a sport. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> you create a chess strategy. You're not helping our image here as debaters. You, you create a chess strategy, but then at the middle, in the middle of the game, your opponent surprises you with a clever counter strategy. And then you hurriedly change your strategy to adapt, conquer, innovate, all that stuff, right? But there's a problem here because all your setup was for the other strategy that now you're forced to abandon and you can't perfectly fit like your new adapted strategy with your original one your opponent will most likely try to um, exploit the, mm. the change in the strategy so the same way in, in debates an experienced debater will be able to see when the stances of their opponents change and point out why that's so harmful so for example in a motion this house as a member of the LGBT in a conservative community would choose to say in the closet for example you can at government reply say something like the problem with opposition is that their their stance kept changing a lot of their arguments were blah 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 tied to the notion about why it's so good to be public but at the same time when you ask them about the harms they suddenly changed their stance and said well you know actually they don't have to come out to everyone they can they can do like coming out in like in increments yeah so why does that change the stance harm them it harms them because the their benefits don't make sense completely anymore their other arguments do not play along with their new strategy um, we, there was an instance actually in a recent debate we both did where I pointed this change in strategy in the San Beda debate thing we did. So the finals motion was about if we could migrate to Mars or if we could settle in Mars. Like make... Only people without religion should be able to settle in Mars. Yeah, like if you want to live there, you have to give up having religion. And our opposition, well, we were government, and our opposition was just pointing out how this is not fair, the standard is flawed. Um, but if we ask them... Like, okay, even if it may be flawed, what's your proposal? They said, we're okay with having everyone there. But then later on, they were like, we're going to use another standard. So it was inconsistent because on one hand, they want everyone to go to Mars. But on the other hand, they're willing to restrict it as well. Right? Yeah. And on that point, you talked about the Mars thing. I, I think that situation, you could also put it under another standard, like standard which is... The, the fact that in, in that case, they didn't actually say anything. They were just criticizing a lot of things. So the strategy was very offensive, um, but they had no defense of their model. Yeah. yeah. So like in, in that case that you mentioned, they were just like, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. But like, what are you then willing to do? And I remember that in that 
debate, uh, we point we were able to point out that there's no world that they're willing to be okay with because they literally have complaints for everything. Yeah. So that's one strategy. Actually, there's so many standards that you can use. My tip to improve on this method is try judging. Yeah, I think that it's an underutilized trading rule. Judging is also trading for debate. And I feel like people don't know that or people are... Like, they look at judging as a separate world, but you can obviously adapt and conquer and use the skills you learned on both sides to become the best debater you or judge you that you can be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all. So that's the two standards I use. The third standard that I wrote down, just so Kyle can talk about it, because I do not know how to use this method. I just wrote it down as the chaos method, because this is when Kyle has no strategy. He'll just tell a story. No, I, will... I do have a strategy, okay? Oh, okay. Establish will have a debate, what your stance was, and to compare. You don't have to and be so ma- defensive. Many, there are many <laughs> different ways that you can go about doing those three things. I don't like being, and, and this is ironic because we had a bunch of episodes about this is how you should structure stuff. You don't like structure. But every single episode that we do that, I always, always say that you shouldn't feel constrained to that structure. So I like to think of it as sort of like being avant-garde. The, the first avant-garde. thing <laughs> The first thing that you said as chaotic was what I described to be like a chronological approach. And like it's more of like, a blow by blow commentary or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I feel think... like this is valid in most That's cases fair. if you're a new debater. Like people like summarize it in that particular way and they, they make comparisons as they happen in the debate. Sure it's not efficient with regard to time. Mm, not at all. But it is valid, alright? It is valid. So for example if like you can you can probably trim your blow by blow commentary to the most salient points to make your to get your like point across point across. Um, what I think what you're referring to as the quote-unquote chaos method is one that I, I talked to you about where... You just told the story one I time. just told the story one oh my time. gosh. Because like, so, and when I told that story, people were like, what? Like, as an intro? Like, it just made a really long intro. And I was like, yeah, an intro. But imagine that it took four minutes to do. No, I feel like what you did in that round was in particular, you, you used an analogy for the debate. Like, this debate... It's like something. Oh, I don't no, remember no. the analogy. But you made the discussion about something else. You pointed out how absurd the arguments of the opponents are if used in this context. And then you you summed it up by saying, if that sounded ridiculous, then it's also ridiculous here because they're doing the exact same thing. That's what I remember. Um, it's risky though because you're introducing like an entire. I don't remember that, but if I did, wow, Kyle, damn. No, th- it sounds like something you do though, right? Yeah, I. I, I I've been your I think it is possible years. that I did that. I yeah. just forgot because I It's probably the first third of it we did because after that, that's where I swore, Kyle, I will do reply now. Hey, that's not true. You won, okay? We, won. we won, but it was it was a very close round, I remember. And I remember me and Chloe Chong, our partner at the time, approached you and we were like, what was that? <laughs> what no, was that? that was fun. It was fun. I mean, yeah, it was fun though. So I think like just free, feel free to explore different methods. I think it works for Kyle because he's a funny guy. Um, I'm known as the very structured person in the circuit, so I have my methods. And you, you Kyle would, can have his you, chaos. You would agree with me that sometimes, like the tone of the speech should be different depending on the situation that you're in. Ah, that's so, the last thing. We're so there are some some cases where you need to just be more emotional than usual. And it's usually in those kinds of instances where I go on like full on story. So the instance that I remember was in, in another CSBIV where like it was about like this this person from a minority group because that was the that was the motion. Uh, our opposing team, our opponent, 
said like all of these things can be mitigated whatever so my entire speech was sort of like it was a story but it was navigating through the life of this person that they're talking about Mm -hmm. and all the quote-unquote mitigating factors that they were talking about on up like how that person that actor would not necessarily feel vindicated by those mitigating factors. In fact, it'll be more oppressive. And those are the exact same things that we were arguing on our side. So I was I was comparing, I was bringing up the things that you were saying, I was talking about why they were insufficient in proving their burden, it was mitigating the harms. I did it without conforming to the to the to the expectations of society. <laughs> yeah. So so you can either do Kyle's method of things or my method of things. Again, right, the reason why uh, debate is well, well debate's really fun is because you can experiment a lot and I'm I'm not a I'm not a fan of imposing rules on people. Just imposing rules on myself. So these are my rules, my templates. Feel I'm a fan of your method. I'm a fan of your method. I think. Like if I was a judge and then I had to listen to one of my reply speeches, I'm like, what what did he say? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, say? maybe I'm more opposed to avant-garde styles because I've been in the position of having to listen to those kinds of avant-garde things and then not understand it. But or... in very specific contexts. Yeah. They could, they could be very effective. So I guess if you're just a really good storyteller. Uh, I know another debater, Ryan Abbas. He's really good with this method. But again... Um, Me and Rabbis with a chaotic energy. Yeah, uh, that's why your team up with him would not have worked because neither of you have structure in any. Hi, Rabbis, if you're listening. I didn't mean to call you out that way. I love you. Okay, so the last thing I want to discuss really quickly is besides the way that you structure your reply, there's also something that you need to adjust based on the debate. For me, I decide whether I do issues-based or standard-based if the de- depending on the, the 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 way the debate is going, if I feel like the issues are tight, then I I go issues based. If I feel like it's easier for me to justify without issues, if I feel my my whip has done a good job of pointing out the issues, I go straight to standards. But I also change my approach based on if I think I'm on the losing side of the debate so far, I make my um reply very defensive. So a lot of even ifs, a lot of comparisons, a lot of pointing out of the small details and nuances that my side brings up. Because it's not good if you know that you're on the losing edge already and you still just try to point out the flaws of your opponent or you're, you're very stubborn about it. Judges will not focus on that because as of now, the mindset of the judge is, okay, even if you point out all the flaws... What about your side? There's so many flaws on your side as well. So you're trying to anticipate that mindset of the judge and sort of just becoming defensive. And that's not a bad thing. Or if you feel like you're on a winning side of things, you can go rather aggressive and just go full on offense. Really point out there's no way this opponent team can win because blank, blank, blank. Or because of this issue. There was a PIDC, if I'm not saying it was 2011, where the winning reply, not the winning reply, the reply of the winning team on Garon said, you know, never mind that they didn't do this. Never mind that they didn't do this. Never mind that they did do this. Never mind blah, blah, blah. Listing all the flaws. Because even without them doing any of these things, we would still win this debate. I was like, mm, I should... Strong. <laughs> strong. And I was like, I was like, what? I was 13 or 14. I was like, I should, I should do something like this. But you never did. <laughs> no, I, I, I do that. Okay, not, okay. not that. I, I did that against 
you kaya when we were freshmen and then you got annoyed. Yeah, I was new to debate and you were bullying me. I'm kidding. And anyway, there, there's also one other thing that we forgot to mention until now. But what happens is after opposition whip, the next speaker is opposition reply and then government whip. Yeah. So the order, government reply is last. Mm. And you can also make some strategies as a result of that. So I remember if we were in opposition, I was doing the whip and you were doing opposition reply. Our strategy was always, I don't do meta. I don't do a lot of the meta stuff. The meta stuff will come out from you at reply. Yeah, because so our strategy focus... was just like to take advantage of the 11 minutes yes. that our team had combined. Like, yeah. Like non-stop. Yeah, so debaters can do that if, if they feel like their team would benefit from it. it. It probably won't work for everyone, but it worked for us a little bit. Yeah. I would say a little bit. And then when we were in government, we would do meta and then what I would do at reply is point out that their reply has engaged or hasn't responded or even acknowledged the method that you brought up at your your whip. So th- those are just a few tips we have and a few strategies we use. But I think just I want to rant just a little bit before we end the episode. Right. My, my rant is despite how brilliant replies are, for some reason during a finals of a nationals, we do not give best speaker awards or the finals best speakers to reply. And for me, that's weird. Like notice we only give it to the the constructive speakers. But what if the winning like speech was the reply speech? I've never heard a tournament where the finals best speaker oh, yeah. is gov reply or op reply. But yeah, for example, I, I see a lot of finals where the best speaker would be DPM or DLO and those are the positions that are likely to have done their reply. Like my interpretation of that was their performance as reply was integrated into their performance like as a person. <laughs> so, as a person. So I think it's just like a failure of announcement. So that the way that they announce it, best speaker of the final is DPM or DLO. No, but like but it should be like the name. The best speaker of the no, final. No, no, but but that that could be it. But I, I've judged enough finals to know that we really don't consider reply sometimes. Which is sad. Because just because it's four minutes doesn't mean it wasn't good. Sometimes you say more in four minutes than everyone has said in their combi- combined 21 minutes in the team, right? Oh yeah, I remember when when we watched the final of PDO, mm. the one where we both got in top 10. And Our first top 10 together? Yeah, no, yeah. The one where Jesus No, the, the first top 10 that we got together. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah and then Jesus was in the final and then he did the reply, reply like cover reply, like, like a freaking goosebumps. Damn. 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 I wonder if there's a copy of that uh, final. Well, no, because it was dealing with a sensitive topic. Oh, right, right. That's that's that makes me sad, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. So and and this is true. Like I, I feel like we do undervalue replies to a large extent, and this is probably also the reason why a lot of the time in the previous episode I said that people undervalue veto, and that's the reason why you give twenty five minute prep times. It's not veto. Let's just do this motion. There are lots of training rounds also where. You go like, oh, let's just not do a reply. Yeah, right? that's so sad. And I was like, no, the reply is also something that you have to train. And I was like, yeah, so, but it's so it's so hassle. It's more time. I just go home. You just get this over with. I'm like, yeah, but there are lots of times where reply will save you. And not training for it means that you're not as prepared to have your reply save you. Yeah, it's four minutes. That's a lot of time. Your team has a total of 25 minutes only to speak. And you are letting go of the four minutes because you refuse to train for it. Yeah, right? Right? Yeah. 
It's interesting if you point it out that way. Yeah? Yeah. That's like almost a sixth of your entire speaking time. Wow! Fractions! I didn't bother doing the fractions because I knew I couldn't, so I just subtracted. <laughs> Alright, so that's it for this episode. Um, For the next episode, we'll probably prep something together or, yeah, or talk about a topic. Yeah, talk about um, a topic. Because we know as much as these skill lessons are important, we need to also talk about relevant issues and show you how a lot of our tips apply <laughs> once we talk to each other in prep. Because right? I think this all just boils down to application. So we can talk and you can listen to us all you want. But if you're not applying these things or training for them, then, you know, it's not really effective. But yeah. if you're just listening to us, you know, while you're driving or in the shower, I guess that's okay too. I don't know why you're listening to us. Maybe we're amusing, but... Especially in the shower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of weird. Uh, Get some lo-fi beats to study or relax to in there. Yeah. Okay, I just full disclaimer, I'm really sleep-deprived right now. It's 3am. We are recording at 3am. So yeah, that's this why... This is my study break. That, that's why we sound, or I sound, bangag in general. <laughs> Alright. Okay. So that's it for this episode. Okay, hope you we'll enjoyed We'll see you it. next time. Bye! Bye-bye.